Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Choice on all to feel us in devotion with Tim Edwards, Andy Gilpin, Liam Randall and me, Reese Williams. And from a solid, if uh, fairly uninspiring win against Solly Hill to that bizarre game today against Maidenhead. Andy, brief thoughts. Uh, thank God for Jordan Davis, to be honest. I mean, I think he really saved us there. I know he's got the, the first goal, but it's just his general touch and his general play shows that at the moment he's probably head and shoulders above everyone else in a Wrexham shirt. I mean, he's close to being our top scorer. He's He's a quality player when when given the opportunity. I what thinking about um, Maidenhead today. I mean, it was just a mental game. I mean, they scored with their first shot on goal, and it was wind assisted from their own half. It's the sort of stuff that only happens to Wrexham. You can imagine Jocelyn Miebe being in goal and just seeing it sail over his head. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I don't really think Leighton did anything wrong. It's just that the guy took a great shot. The wind caught it and it went in. The Why second... do we never score those freak goals? It's always against us, isn't it? Yeah, but that that's because you're a Wrexham fan, Reese. You can never <laughs> yeah. enjoy stuff like this. No. Um, second half, we had the wind on our backs, and I think we did pretty well. Um, and I think probably the draw was 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 probably the right result. I mean, th- there's two things you have to talk about: is is French really a right wing back? Probably not. Yeah. I'd probably have him as a, as one of the three centre halves in yeah. an ideal world. I would have him. I would have either Pearson or Kelleher, and I would have Vassell as my three yeah. at the back. I would probably have Record and Reese Hall Johnson going forward. Um, if Cam Green is fit, and yeah, I mean Cam Green had a really good game, I think. But I think but, he was blowing out his ass after about yeah. sixty-five minutes. I just I think that's that that's a real problem with him. I but think record has, record has been one of the weak points, though. I think hasn't he this season? I don't know what I was really expecting from record. I was looking at the guy. I was thinking he's a big lad. He's quick. He's mm. strong. Is he attacking? Is he defensive? I don't really know. I don't think he's particularly. I don't think he's particularly attacking. I think he can be caught out in defence. Yeah. So, at the end of the day, maybe, yeah. maybe we should be looking at yeah. someone more like Reese Hall Johnson, like a Cameron Green, mm. someone who can attack and find a space and put a cross in and be a threat and actually move their defence back a little bit rather than record who gets the ball and seems to lump it forward. Yeah. I mean, apart from that, the other thing I'm thinking about about the game is is the is the Rutherford midfield thing over. I'd just quite just like to see Jay Harris back in there. I think there's I just think more control. We missed Jay Harris, didn't we? Mm. But I mean, Tim, four points from Bank Holiday weekend. It's not too bad. No, pretty sure that traditionally we're pretty shit over bank holiday weekends. I'm sure our return is pretty measly. Um, so, yeah, you know, whichever way you look at it, if we'd have won today and drew at home, people would have been grumbling about, you know, not winning a home game. So you win your home games and, and you don't lose away, then it's it's still momentum, isn't it? And that's still what we've got. You look at Chesterfield, they're falling apart at the seams, happy days. Um, we thought Torquay were done the, the other week and I think the top mm. of it. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't pretty today, but like Andy said, you know, it's, it's the fifth division. It's not going to be Barcelona, is it? That's just the way it is. Um, but it is what it is, and I can't believe there's only five matches left of the domestic season. What is going on? 
And uh, well, it looks like it's going to go right down to the wire uh, in terms of Wrexham's uh, playoff hopes anyway. But um, last week we had Lee Fowler on the podcast and there's been plenty of reactions to his typically uh, forthright views, uh, not only on his time at Wrexham, but also on the sort of current team and management. And we had an email from Rob saying that it was interesting to hear Lee's views on Keats. Can't say I agree personally, he says, and that seems to be the consensus, Liam, doesn't it, from what we've been seeing? Yeah, uh, everyone on Red Passion is a, a huge fan, as you would expect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of reference to his comments when he departed, where he compared Wrexham to Gola and Fleetwood to Nike, inf- uh, quite infamously. <laughs> <laughs> um, funny old game, who is a stalwart of the forums, said you'd think he was Iniesta, the way he talks about himself. Um <laughs> So, yeah, that's, that's caused um, a bit of a stir. People not happy about the way he left the club. Um, and I think there's a few disagreeing with his comments about Dean Keats as well. Obviously, he was quite defensive of Keats, mm. which I think we all thought was, you know, interesting to hear that viewpoint, isn't it? Because we've all, not slated him, but, you know, we've, <laughs> we've said that we've had enough at some stage or another. So it was interesting to hear that viewpoint. But uh, fair to say some people don't agree with that. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, I mean, he certainly said some things that I think plenty of us could have disagreed with and plenty of people have disagreed with, but it is also good to hear someone just say how they see it, isn't it? And not be scared to probably upset a few people. Yeah, I think you've got to admire the honesty, haven't you? I mean, that was what made it one that, you know, I think a few of us said it was one of the more interesting interviews we've done. Just nice to hear someone speak with a bit of honesty, you know, makes for good value, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, remember, you guys can get in touch with us uh, at the um, Fearless in Devotion Twitter account and you can email fearlessindevotion at gmail.com. And we've got a bit of a different podcast in store for you this week. We're celebrating the publication of our brand new glossy 48-page fanzine, which is available at fearless.wales, which you can buy with just two clicks for £4 or £5 if you want a digital version included as well. Or if you just prefer to go into town to pick up your hard copy, you can get one at various locations, including the Turf, the Fat Boar, Bank Street Social, Wrexham Trainer Revival at T-Paub Bank and in the Wrexham Lager Shop. And coming up now, we've got some other members of the fanzine team coming on to share a little more about what you can expect to read. Time now to welcome Blake Welton, who's the editor of the London football scene, and Nathan Salt, who works for Mail Online Sport, but is also part of the Rob Ryan Red podcast. They're both also part of the Fearless in Devotion fanzine team. Welcome to the podcast, gents. Before we turn to you guys, um, Tim, first of all, just explain to everyone, uh, all the listeners, where it came from and how it started. Yeah, I was just sitting at home on Christmas Day, and I just decided to do my own little Twitter account. I think I was just getting fed up with, you know, the sort of party line that was coming from the official football socials and, and so on and so forth. So I thought it was high time we had our own little independent kind of fanzine. So I, I set it up with no real idea of how it would sort of snowball into what it was to become. Um, I've always been a fan of, of the fanzines in the past, you know, the Red Passions, um, Dismal Jimmy, Sheep and Giant. They've all served their purpose in some way or another for the club. So I just thought it seemed to be high time that one was overdue uh, in, in the true sense of a fanzine, if you like. Um, so yeah, it, it just went from there. And then 
I think I needed a bit of a kick up, kick up the ass really from, from other people. And I think, I think it might have been Andy who suggested about getting up and running for, in, in a sort of print version, which I'd always wanted to do. I think it was just trying to find the time and the personnel, the right personnel to do it. Um, unfortunately, um, you know, with Andy and, and various people all in the journalism circles, it seemed to make perfect sense at probably the perfect time, given everything that's going on with the takeover. Well, we'll go into the content uh, of what people can expect from the fanzine soon. But first of all, Nathan and Blake, welcome. Blake, start, starting with you, you've obviously got um, experience of putting fanzines together. How, how does this one, from what you've read of it, how does it compare? Is it any good? It's yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Um, in as I said, um, I probably learnt more um, working at the likes of Sunderland's or Love Supreme. I'm I'm a Sunderland fan by uh, by by sort of day, so don't hate on me about that. But I obviously know about kind of you know miserable years of following a team. Um, so I obviously went to to university, did all the usual stuff, but learning through a Love Supreme kind of I learnt more through working with with the guys up there about. Kind Kind of not just kind of the craft of putting these things together, but just basic journalism um, and the business side of things as well. Um, so obviously, I know Andy from the North Wales Daily Post, one of my first gigs, um, and that uh, I was there for about two and a half years. And obviously, I, th- I think I had a, a couple of drunken nights out in Wrexham. I think I ended up staying at, on Tim's sofa one one time as well. So. Um, obviously the opportunity came up and, and it's kind of taken the kind of stuff we've, we've done and I've seen with a lot of Supreme and, you know, we do a Northern Ireland fa- uh, fanzine called happy days as well. And it's, it's taken it to a, another level and, and it's not just sort of trod on the, you know, usual path that, you know, Sunderland's or Northern Ireland's have, they've introduced other stuff. Um, and, you know, e- even down to the, how ad- advertisements are done, you know, n- neither of, you know, a love Supreme, and Northern Ireland's Happy Days have done advertorials before. So it really is kind of bringing something new to the table with a distinct Wrexham voice. And Nathan, you've done quite a few pieces for this fanzine. I, I bet you've you've enjoyed having the opportunity to, to write about Wrexham. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, like Tim said, I was kind of waiting for the right project. I knew that, you know, given given journalism experience, I obviously really passionate about Rex. I wanted to get involved. And I'm, I've known Andy, Tim, Liam. I remember some miserable games in, in the press box, but that was a really good experience for me. And they've got great experience. So once I'd seen the team that, well, I think it was Andy, I can't remember, or Tim that reached out. Once I saw the team that was put together, I knew it would be really good. And so I was, I, it was a no-brainer for me to do it. And yeah, I mean, the, the the final product, I think it's testament to how it sold so so quickly. Um, the, the first issue, the A, the demand is there, not just because of the takeover, but you know, there's a lot of interest in Rex anyway. And yeah, I was really I was really happy with the, with the bits I did. I mean, we'll go into that, I guess. But you know, the, the Chislovich interview that, that I did, I thought was really interesting. He's a really nice guy that, that a few of us have spoke to and the, the picture that may forever haunt me of i mean it's worth buying just to see me as a quiz master the the, the mock-up of that it's probably worth that's already gone around my office and yeah it may just forever <laughs> haunt it. me yeah i might just forever haunt me because... right can i can i just come in and just talk about this picture a little bit so the guy who did this picture of nathan salt dressed as the mastermind quiz master um is done by a guy, a guy called dave dench and dave dench oh, dench. famous 
Yeah, you know Denchi, don't you? I know him, yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know him, I already love him just because of his name. Okay, well, you're going to love him more now because Dave Dench was made famous in the Sun office in around about 1993, 94, because he is the guy who put the turnip on Turnip Taylor. That was his his thing. So... (laughs) You know, when it comes to photoshops, you've got Turnip Taylor and you've got Salt Quizney. I don't think Dave Dench can do any better than that, really. Well, uh, on the quiz, Nathan, I mean, so you're the quiz master for this fanzine. Is there one question that you're particularly proud of or that you think might really catch people out? I mean, one of the ones that I just really love and when people ask me for a random Wrexham story is, is, is the player that, that got into a war of, I say war of words, a bit cliche, but war of words with Wrexham fans and told us that we needed to go on Jeremy Kyle. So I, I love that story. And uh, that that's, I mean, it's, it's quite a small story and the player wasn't with us for that long, but yeah, that if you know that one, then you're really invested in Wrexham Twitter, which as we know is, is a great place full of nice opinions. Don't give us the answer. <laughs> no, no, I didn't give the answer. Look, I'm, I'm a pro, Andy. I didn't give the answer. But, you know, good memories with that player. But no, buy, buy, buy it, do the quiz, let us know your answers because I, I, I'd be interested to know. There's some in there that, that are, are pretty niche and there's some in there that, 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 that everyone should get. And if not, then we will question your Wrexham credentials. You might be a Chester fan. Like you yeah. might be a good, you might be a good person to touch on this. You know why Nathan kind of half mentioned it there. Why is it really important? Do you think for a club to have its own independent fanzine, which Wrexham hasn't had maybe for a while, one that's totally dedicated to Wrexham? Um, I, I think we've seen it in the last few weeks with you know, and even yesterday with the Manchester United protests outside Old Trafford. Um, you know the the game, the beautiful game, is is got a very ugly side to it at the moment. With you know owners who seem to be detached very much from you know the, the club, the history, the heritage. They come in that that with the assumption they're going to make a quick buck, and you know they're all going to win the Premier League, and you know and then realise you know to to the detriment that's not the case. Um, and and a lot of the time the fans have to pick up the bill, and and we've seen that once before with Wrexham, you know, um, the, the Wrexham Supporters Trust did a fantastic job in, in bailing the club out. I, I've, I covered Huddersfield Town and Huddersfield Town, obviously, they had a period where, you know, they were in, in court and they had to be bailed out. And it's always the fans that have to pick up the tab. And, you know, it's important to have that independent voice um, and an independent voice that, you know, is, is represents the fans. So the fanzine was kind of a very much a protest movement in the 80s um, and I think it's going to come back more and more you know as there's more disgruntled fans and and more kind of um, you know owners who you know haven't got the best interests of the club at heart so I think that's definitely you know the main the main reason but also, um, Wrexham's just, as I said, I, I remember being at the 150th anniversary match and having 8,000 fans mid-table, you know, um, mid-table mediocrity against Grimsby. It, it's, it is a very much sleeping giant. And hopefully we're going to be able to reflect them, the fanzine um, is going to reflect the, the, the past, the present and hopefully a glorious future. But if not, we're there to hold, you know, the, the onus and people to account. Andy, you're uh, one of the editors. Uh, we've already heard from Tim. What is it? Sell it to the listener then. The listener who hasn't, hasn't bought the fanzine yet, sell the, the fanzine to them. Okay, well, uh, it's £4, so you can buy it, and it's quite cheap. But there's two things about it for me. Um, one is timing, and the second is the quality of the people we got on board. 
So timing is obviously the fact that we've just been taken over. There's a whole sort of raft of publicity around this club. And so really and truly, we need to get on board with that because there is, there is a, I'd rather real fans did it rather than someone else six or seven months down the line saying, right, there's an opportunity here. Let's just do a fanzine. Let's see how people take it. Well, no, let's get real fans to do it. And then the second part is the caliber of people we brought on board. So, okay, we've got us us seven people here. I mean, we're all journalists. Um, journalists are ex-journalists. We all know what we're doing. But also we're fans. I mean, Blake's not a Wrexham fan, but he's a fan of football and he's a fan of fanzines. So, you know, he brings that period, just that sort of thing to us. But then if you think of the people who've got contributors, like Nathan managed to get Ian Herbert involved. Ian Herbert is a really, really big name in the world of sports journalism. So to get him to write something, even if it's quite whimsical to start, I mean, it's still it's still something you probably want to read. I mean, one of the things I'm really happy with, like, like Mark Crichton's our agony uncle. I mean, what a left field thing to do. And he did it all himself. Fair play. I sent him I sent him some questions and all the answers are his and completely his. Mm. On top of that, you know, we've got something for everyone. You know, Reese, you're doing a Welsh a Welsh piece. You know, my 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 uncle Ray, he's not really my uncle, but it's that Wrexham thing where like you just call everyone who's a bit older than you your uncle. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's doing a bit about the history. You know, we've we've got a really good piece about um about the fans who voted no, which I think is quite probably probably the most interesting thing in there. Um, there's a couple of like stuff that should be fanzines as well. Like, you know, my, I did a little bit about what sort of Hollywood owner are you? And that is to me a, a, an atypical sort of thing that a fanzine should reflect something a bit funny, but something with, with like a, like more of a sort of hard edge to it as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with, with what we've managed to do. And I think the, the key thing is, Reese, that we've done it in four weeks. From a standing staff, we've done it in four weeks. And to get that quality of product out there, that's the real pleasing thing for me. We will speak a little bit about uh, Liam and Tim's uh, columns as well. But before that, we thought it would be a good time to move on to uh, History Only Tells a Story because it's relevant to the fanzine as well. So now we're going to play you some commentary from uh, this goal, which is a famous goal for Wrexham away in Brighton. Adrian Cislevich levelled on 62 minutes when his deflected shot looped over keeper Peter Brezovan. So Nathan, you've managed to get Adrian Cislevich to forensically sort of dissect that goal for us, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I, that's one of my, easily one of my favourite goals. You know, in 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 the years, I've not had much to cheer in in the twenty five years following Wrexham, but that was one of the good days. And I, you know, speak to him about that, and it was actually really fun for him as well. I think because you know he's he's obviously scored more than more than that Brighton goal, but for him to to really break it down and I think give it give it a real it, that spread I thought looked really nice as well just a shout out to, to Darren who who designed it for us I, I think it yeah it exceeded my expectations as well I think in, in terms of how it looked and I know you know Tim and Andy and everyone who poured over it's really pleased with with the, the final product um but yeah the Chislevich goal a lot of it is just in my mind when I watched it back he basically just sort of ran in a straight line and kind of everyone separated like the red sea and we're you know complete delirium in the away end but when i actually watched it back with him he was he was pointing out 
very minor things that, that were going through his mind, which I thought, you know, was really interesting having, unfortunately, not played uh, at a very high level myself. He he was pointing out, you know, exactly the things he was thinking at the split decision when he gets the ball from Jamie Tolley. He's basically thinking, I just need to find a way to, to get into the box. He said, if he could get into the box, then then they were, they were either going to have to foul him or, or he would take a shot. And, you know, I won't, I won't go into all, everything he said. You obviously go and get the fans in to read exactly what he <laughs> broke it down. But it's, it's, it was really interesting to, to see exactly how in his mind, having thought about that goal a lot, which, you know, he thinks about it all the times he was telling me the, because yeah, in my mind, it's a bit of a blur. I don't know about everyone else there, but it kind of, I've watched it back and it still felt like nothing happened. And then suddenly the ball goes in and I can't really remember. I just remember him celebrating with Jake Spate and me kind of tumbling down towards the front. It was a little bit manic, but, <laughs> but Chislevich was uh, really interesting, mate. And uh, yeah, I mean, who, which of you went? I mean, I'm sure it's come up before, which you went to Brighton. Andy, you went, didn't you? Yeah, I went. Um, I was there. Yeah, yeah. Liam went as well, yeah. I mean, like I said, for me, when I thought back to that goal and I, I said to him originally, I was like, it It seemed like nothing really, he didn't really do a lot to, to kind of make the chance for himself. It didn't seem like it from where I was. But when I watched about with him, he said that, you know, and you see yourself, it, it actually took a lot more to, to kind of beat the men, get in the box. There was a lot to it. So, yeah, that was a really nice, nice interview to do and a nice spread to, to get in the fancy. No, it was a great goal and a, and a great piece as well. Liam, before I come on to yours, Tim, I can see you're wearing a nice little number today. I can't quite see which one it is, but, oh yeah, classic Wrexham Lager shirt, of course. Um, going for hundreds of pounds at the moment online. Jesus, wept. Anyway, um, uh, tell Robert us about... God, I think, is the, uh, <laughs> the phrase at the moment. Tell us about the, uh, the piece that you've written looking back at sort of uh, jerseys. Um, it was a, yeah, it's a pretty um, self-explanatory kind of leave your brain at the door kind of piece, really. Obviously, with with lockdown, the the whole um, sort of retro and classic shirt thing has exploded. It's always been popular anyway in recent years, but now even more so than ever because people are looking to see what's available, what they can get their hands on. There's a lot of reproduced kits being made. We're probably some sweatshop in the Far East by a couple of uh, half-naked children, but there we go. That's by the by. Um, but I just thought it was something I wanted to look at. Um, that it was just in my opinion that the top five Wrexham kits we've had in my lifetime, well, I say in my lifetime, probably since the 70s, I think we're looking at. Um, and it was just in no particular order. I just picked five, and it was difficult because the Wrexham Lager kits alone are lovely because obviously the, the, the brand is synonymous with the town and the club. So so it was tough to whittle it down. I just thought it would be good fun because you know we're, we're all kind of kit snobs in our own weird way. You know whether this this one I'm wearing is the first one I ever owned, whether it's that or it's it's uh, the the one with the massive green king logo. We go back to the Brentford away game, the one that wasn't commercially available for for, for sale. So I just thought it was something that was straightforward and, and tends to get people um, engaged in debate. You know, at the pub, or you know, I don't agree with him about that. Maybe that should have made it. What's your favourite kit? Everybody's got a favourite kit. Even even the lads that don't really wear colours anymore, they've all got a favourite shirt. And Liam, yours. Don't obviously don't want to give too much away, but uh, what is it that you've kind of discovered? What's the what's the update on on your piece on the cop? Um, so I was able to look at some documents which actually haven't been seen before in the cop. Obviously, we've had the updates recently on it to say that they've started on the land, clearing the land uh, to the side of the cop, which is the old Dickens garage. Um, but yeah, I was able to take a look at some documents from Wrexham Council, which give a bit more of a detailed look at what they're actually considering in terms of the options. 
so like I said, I won't give it away too much, but there's uh, there's some pictures in there, um, and there's some details about it. But, but the the one heartening thing to take from it is that it says that you know things are going well on that front. Liam, what would you most like to happen with the cop from what you've seen? Don't give too much away, but what do you think is the most plausible and possible thing that we that we could have there? Well, I I, I can't say I've seen mention of it, but the, I mean the one thing for me that I would like to see is rail seating is the is the main thing, and I think a lot of people would say the same because we're used to standing on the cop, aren't we? And um, mm-hmm. I think that was part of its charm, really, to me as a kid going on there. You could move around go and talk to some of the characters you knew everyone was and that type of thing. So like I said, I've seen anything to that effect, but if rail seating was to be put in, I think that would be really great. Reckon if uh, we managed to break even on the fanzine, you'd be able to fork out for some decent internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's a delay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Christ almighty, Liam, how do you watch porn? <laughs> 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 we're pretty proud of the fanzine though um blake you've uh you've really helped pull it together and you give us a uh a, a closing words on your view on it you know a lot of people kind of you know chances you know see something like Wrexham, you know that is obviously got so much potential and and jump on the bandwagon but Obviously, you know, with the likes of Tim, Andy, Liam, you know, yourself, recent, and Nathan, and 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 that the guys that are involved, you know, that they've been there, they've lived through the pain, they've lived through the hurt, you know, and so this is a genuine thing. And I think you you look through and you flick through all forty eight pages. There's a lot of love, passion, and you know, support and for the football club. So, you know, it's it's the authentic, real deal from real fans, not someone who's just you know decided to buy a shirt, you know, um, and, and just jump on the bandwagon. So, you know, support it, get behind it. And, and, and it's, you know, Wrexham's, it, it's, it's, it's for Wrexham and the whole of Wrexham. So, you know, um, from genuine Wrexham people. There you have it. Superb. You can buy it for £4. Just go to fearless.wales. You can get £5. You can get a digital version of that as well then, or you can just buy the digital version for £2. Tim, where if you want to go into town and get it, where can you get it from? Uh, at the moment, you can buy it from Fatball and the Turf, but as of this week, we'll be rolling it out to other outlets as well. So we're looking at the Wrexham Lager Shop, who are happy to stock it. Um, Wrexham Trainer Revival, um, Stephen Tapp, who runs that place, which is brilliant, and uh, T-Power, he'll be taking stock of it as well. Um, Bank Street Coffee, the bank itself. Um, so, yeah, quite a few, including the, you know, those guys who, who've, who've paid for advertising with us in the fanzine. Um, so there'll be several outlets, all run by really good people. Um, I think the board sold out quite a few theirs. There's still quite a few copies in the turf at the moment so pop in there on your way through into town and grab one well, there you go nathan salt and blake welton thank you very much for joining us much appreciated time now for our mighty heroes where we pick the best wrexham 11 of our lifetimes this week it's time to complete our midfield trio so we've got Darren Ferguson, and after much uh, discussion last week, Gazzo in. And today, I think we're aiming to pick an attacking midfielder, aren't we, gents? Yep. I think it's pretty key position, really, in this formation. 
And yes. I actually think there's a lot of good candidates. So I'll be interested to see what we come up with. Absolutely. Right. So who wants to go first? Um, I'm going to suggest Andy, as yet last week you said you're the oldest. So let's uh, go, even though you're not, apparently. But Okay, well, I'll take that. Okay. I've been, um, Andy Gilpin lying about his age since uh, um, 1992. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not Anyway, um, Andy, you got uh, a minute to give, uh, to make the case for your player. And it starts in three, two, one, go. Three words, Michael Reginald Thomas. They don't call him the magic little man for nothing. It's a phrase etched into all of our memories, and with good reason. He was a working-class hero who made us all believe. It was a one-in-a-hundred strike, but Thomas made the impossible dream come true, and that's why he should be included. He was the catalyst for all that was good afterwards. He's got only scored two goals in his second spell for Wrexham, and no one really cares who the second was against. But his story, I mean, his life was just, just, just so full of rich tapestry i mean he had his problems that was well documented but you we love a maverick and we got one in mickey together with joey jones he's probably the most synonymous player at Wrexham afc of course there are two mickey thomases for Wrexham. first spell mickey was a legend if any of us saw him as pomp this wouldn't even be a debate he'd be in our first 11 but second spell mickey was a bit bit different he'd been around the block a fair few times he was slower a central mid who kept things over with nouse but he scored one of the most iconic goals in history of football 51 caps of wales a manchester united cult hero mickey never forgot the club that gave him his chance he loves Wrexham and because he's a flawed hero we love him too I couldn't inter- interrupt you in full flow about Mickey Thomas so you went over time but we'll forgive you this time that's fine okay Tim you can be up next uh starting in three two one go I don't think you need look any further than Brian Hughes the tricky scouser rose to the ranks of the race course before Brian Flynn gave him his break in the first team he may have appeared lightweight but Yodler soon became a fan's favorite with his craft pace and vision clear for all to see the wide speedster had a low centre of gravity, often inducing both, um, lots of tackles in and around the penalty box, allowing Peter Wall to wire up his tasty set pieces. He went on to make 97 appearances, scoring 14 times between 94 and 97. His stock rose in the memorable FA Cup run of the 96-97 season. He scored against four opponents in that run, including against West Ham and Birmingham, as the Reds gate crashed the quarter-finals. His electrifying form earned him a £1 million, £1 million? £1 million move transfer to Birmingham as manager Trevor Francis looked to youth and squad full of old players on the way out. He remains Wrexham's club, club record transfer fee received for a player, and he, no fan. he went on to win promotion to the Premier League not once, but twice with Birmingham and then Hull. We won't mention the manager, but he was a rather, rather good player. Nicely done. Um, I think I'll go next because I was last last week, so um, does someone want to count me in? Stopwatch is going to start in three, two, one, go. I'm going to make the case for Mark Jones. Jonah made 162 appearances for his hometown club and scored 26 goals, but it was the manner of those goals which makes him stand out. He just did not score tap-ins. He burst onto the scene as a teenager back in 2002 before he then established himself as a mainstay and a stalwart in the side which competed in League One and League Two as well. He became renowned for his long-range goals and there are too many to even mention. Even if we just counted one team Chester we got that screamer at the race course and then that delicious lob at the Diva as well Uh, in 2006 he managed to get a Wales call up and he went on to make two appearances for Wales he decided to hang up his boots early even though he clearly could have prolonged a professional career in the lower leagues but it wasn't something he wanted to do 
And even though he never really achieved his full potential, he remains a fan favourite at Wrexham, and I think he deserves consideration. He deserves his place, even if it was just for that ridiculous goal away at Oxford. But he was no flash in the plan, and he showed in League One and in cup games against higher-up opposition that he had the ability to go far. So for me, Mark Jones may not have had the career of some of the others, but deserves a hearing. Ten seconds over, so we're going to ignore deserves a hearing. <laughs> we're, all, we're all going over today. All right, um, Liam, you can go last. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so the midfielder I'm going for this week is Kevin Rooster-Russell. Now, you oldies might remember Rooster from his first spell at Wrexham between 1987 and 89, when, as a striker, he scored at a rate of just over a goal every two games. Well, I'm here today talking about Kevin Russell version 2.0, he rejoined in 1995 when his pace had gone slightly. He was used more often than not in a midfield role by Brian, Thrill, uh, Brian Flynn. Rooster reinvented himself in his second spell at Wrexham as a decent midfielder. Um, he was often part of that infamous lopsided 4-3-3 that uh, Brian Flynn would often deploy. Um, that formation left a bit of a gap on the left-hand side with Phil Hardy and... Carl Connolly bombing down the left and it was often down to Rooster to plug the hole that remained. Most famously though, in his second spell at Wrexham, he scored that absolutely stunning goal against West Ham um, in the FA Cup third round. It was an absolute thunder bastard in the 90th minute to dump West Ham out of the cup. So I had to check this part wasn't a fever dream, but I also remember a superb lobby scored in a midweek friendly against Bradford in the early 2000s with less than a thousand fans there and I was one of them. Nicely summed up. Um, I think this is one of the strongest <laughs> lineups we've had. Yeah. yeah. I mean, by terms of skill, it should be Brian Hughes. In terms of what I remember, it should be Mickey. Oh, sorry, it should be Mark Jones. I'd, I'd, I'd love well, Mark Jones. In terms, your, in terms of your Mickey Thomas, are you going on his first spell when you did? No, no, I can't go on his first spell because I, I never saw him. So that's why he's not as a greater sort of candidate. I'm going by the I'm going by the second spell, and okay, there was one absolutely fucking ridiculous goal that we all remember. But then, apart from that, is he a journeyman just coming back? So you know, he's not really a stronger candidate, maybe as as Brian Hughes. I'm going to make this very easy for you, right? So Mickey T, too old. Jonah, too injured. Kevin Russell, too bold. Yozza, oh. too good. Yozza, too good. That's why they sold him for a million quid. So it's kind of, it's not even a discussion, is it? Surely? All right, well. there's a discussion. Yeah, I mean, there has to be a discussion as well as it's a shit podcast, really. <laughs> it's not even a fucking competition. It's just not. It's not. Um, I think they're all good names. I think they're all really decent um, names. I think you could argue a case for any of them. Like, uh, and he said maybe Mickey is slightly more difficult because we're talking about his second spell of the club, albeit with that completely wonderful free kick. I mean, I can I can certainly see the argument for Brian Hughes. I, I didn't see him at the time, but I've watched back all the footage from the season when we got really yeah. far in the FA Cup and he was absolutely superb. It's no wonder that Birmingham went on to buy him. Yeah. And he played, he played in the Premier League. So, yeah. If, if we're going to go on, on, on Andy's... Yeah. Um, Logic of did Joey Jones win this, that, and the other in comparison to the other defenders? We <laughs> I mean, if we have to do that, then then Mickey did play a lot of games in the top division, and he did have fifty-one. But caps not in your lifetime. But not in your lifetime. Yeah, I know. So what's about it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally. Think, I'm. I I think I'd have to back up what Liam is saying. As I say, he didn't have the pleasure of watching uh, Brian Hughes live, but 
he looked like a like some player from the. From he the was a, he was a silky bastard. He mm. really was. I mean, you could tell when a player came in at 18, 19, and you thought, wow, this guy's got something. I mean, I love Mark Jones. Like, from when I was covering yeah. the club, he was really <laughs> probably the player I really liked. I, I yeah, watched, same. I remember once in, uh, what was it? Uh, what was that club in uh, Wrexham? Not the um, Liquid, Liquid in Envy. Wrexham. Yeah, no, I saw him in Envy. And I went up to him and I'd had a few and I went, oh, you're like the lower league Steven Gerrard. And he went, oh, yeah, thanks, mate. And then you know that thing when you wake up the next day and instantly regret your fucking life. <laughs> well, I was reading something about him earlier and it was interesting that I, I'd read that he said when he started, obviously, he was in that team and he, he sort of name-checked people like Darren Ferguson and and uh, Carlos Edwards, Hector Sam, and he said he enjoyed that. And it was people who lived in the town who were from, and there were a lot of players players playing for that team who were from the town as well. And he said later on that he, he felt like he was basically the only lad from Wrexham in the team and he, mm. he was going shopping and he was getting grief about the fact that the team wasn't playing well because mm. he felt like he was the only one. I thought mm. that was quite interesting. And, and he seemed to fall out of love with the game, which I think was a great tragedy really because he showed that he could have played at, okay, maybe not Premier League, but certainly League One into Championship. If you know. Yeah, no, I think... He- like if you put him in a, a lower league championship club, he could have he could have really shined. But then if you're going back to you could put him in a lower league championship club and he could have been all right. Well, well, Brian Hughes and, and yeah, Mickey yeah. Thomas could have. Yeah. I mean, obviously played top level. Well, I mean, the well, only thing I'm, I would say about Brian Hughes, he never played at the level that Mickey did. But but this is second spell Mickey. This is not yeah. first spell Mickey. So I actually think that Brian Hughes wins. Mark Jones definitely scored one of my all-time favourite goals away at Oxford. Oh, what a goal. Yeah, that volley is just stupid. And he, he had the, the raw talent, without a doubt. And if injuries hadn't crept in and ruined ruined him, I've no doubt he probably would have done like a, a Matty, Matty Dunn, Matty Dunn, or is, or how you pronounce it, and gone on to really you know, kind of had a decent career for himself. But you know, injuries were cruel mm. to him. But in terms of overall ability, the reason I picked Yoza was, was purely on the fact that his all-round game was ridiculous. He was good in the air. He was good on his feet. He had a great shot on him. His passing was second to none. Didn't really need to tackle that much because of his position. But I think, without doubt, one of the, the like Andy said, one of the silkiest players to to, uh, to play for Wrexham, certainly in the yeah. last three years. Sounds like we're coming down on the um, Brian Hughes side of the fence, but a word for Rooster before we do that? I think it's a weird thing with Kevin Russell because he was well-loved during his first spell with us in the sort of eighties. And you know, I remember when he left and there was there was as as the story goes, they were singing Kevin Don't Go and various ter- terrorist chants because he was well loved. Then when he came back, obviously it, it was great. It was great that we had him back, but obviously he was older. Um similar kind of vibe to Ferguson that didn't necessarily have the legs, but you had the experience and and, and you you were sort of helping bring those younger players through. And he did that. And you know he still had the he still had the the shooting boots. I mean we can bang on about the uh, the goal at West Ham, but let's not forget that one at Walsall away. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. Well, Trundle, Trundle, Lee Trundle mentioned that on the pod, didn't he? Uh, uh, how good that goal was. Mm. Yeah. I think I think Russell was a bit of a scapegoat in the second period. I think yeah. um, I think when things were going bad, people got on Rooster's back, which I think was a, probably a little bit unfair because I do think he was a a pretty good servant to Wrexham. And and with that in mind, um I think you've got to give it to, to Yozarov, you? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, and that's and that completes quite a, a naughty little trio, doesn't it? Of Ferguson, Gazzo, and, and Brian Hughes. That's quite that's quite nicely balanced, isn't it? Oh, there's we, a little bit of everything there. Are we thinking of notable mentions off off the top of your head now? I'm thinking Dave Brammer, Mike Lake. Um, God. I mean, Mike Lake. Uh, Mike Lake for eight games was probably one of the best Wrexham players I'd ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> everything went through him. I mean, he was just he was just different class. I don't know if it was injuries. I don't know if it was a permanent deal. But once he actually signed for us, he was he was a fat dog shit. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Wrexham curse. Well, as as ever, you guys can uh, email in and let us know if we're making any clangers here. You can tweet uh, the Fearless in Devotion Twitter page or email us at fearlessindevotion at gmail But until next week, when we'll be moving on to our attackers. That's um, The Mighty Heroes done. Welcome, Brian Hughes, to The Mighty Heroes. Okay, nearly at the end of the podcast, it is uh, prediction time. Last week, we asked for your suggestions for the forfeit for the loser of the prediction league. We've had quite a few people getting oh, in touch shit, with <laughs> very, very similar suggestions, actually. So we need to, but we need to pick on the. Um, Am I wanking off a monkey? You're not. No, no. Let's keep it. Uh, keep it in good taste. Nothing, nothing bad. I mean, Griff from Welshpool says the loser should have their photo taken with a Chester shirt on and oh. use it as their photo oh. on Twitter oh. for the rest of the season. Griff, oh, that season sounds excessive. Um, Rob says the loser has to wear a Chester shirt to to the first game we are allowed back. If we can't get our hands on one, as admittedly there aren't many about, you have to wear a DIY version made from a plain white tee and felt tips. If too, <laughs> like if too harsh, maybe just have to wear it for a social media profile pic, says Rob. Okay. How and long another, for Rob? Another Rob has emailed in as well, who runs the Rex Pat USA Twitter account, so make sure you give them a follow too. He emails in to say, I think a fitting forfeit would be to wear a brand new Chester shirt to the next home game of the season with a selfie for proof, obviously. Definitely prefer the monkey. (laughs) (laughs) If that's where the forfeit's going, who's paying for the shirt? Because none of us would get a point of money in his bastard's pocket. We'd have to crowdfund the shirt. I mean, (laughs) I think, so I think wearing it for the full season seems a bit... on Twitter profile is a bit is a bit excessive. I'm not, that's not happening. That's not <laughs> I happening. Think, I think wearing it to the game back could also be dangerous. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would wear it to the first game back, and as long as it's said on the back, this is a forfeit, yeah. which I would put in in marker pen. Um, I, I I would do that. Oh, that's that seems fair then. Should we let we go with that? I can't, who uh, who suggested that? I, I think, think it was the executive box for the first game. Mm. <laughs> there we go. Well, thank you, Griff, and both Robs for your suggestions. I think that's agreed now. So um, the loser will be wearing it to the first game back, which hopefully will be in August, the next home game. Fingers crossed. Um, but um, until then, Andy, who is at the bottom at the moment? What's the what's the scores on the doors? Why, why are we going to the bottom? Do we not want to talk about pantomime villain Reese Williams? <laughs> well, predicting predicting a win and a draw correctly again. Yes. So you went from eleven points and you're now currently on eighteen, and everyone hates you. <laughs> so uh, you've got the Solihull result bang on, and then you've got a draw today. Lovely. So Reese Williams on eighteen points. Um, the rest of us are bringing up the rear. We're all on four points. So I didn't. <laughs> I I didn't get anything. If he's the pantomime villain, we are literally bringing up the donkey rear. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so, well, it's, yeah. 
it's going to be tight then. Right. So the next, the next, I think we'll do, uh, there's no game now, obviously on Tuesday night because we've had a Monday game. So we've just got Saturday's game, which I believe is Yeovil at home, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, it's got to be a win. I'll go first then. I'll say we're going to win that uh, three goals to one. Mm. Liam, when you go next. Um, I, I'm sort of done pretending there's any science to my predictions. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say that that's going to be a one-all draw. Okay. Ooh. Negative. Tim? Oh, Jesus. Uh, they got dick today, didn't they? Against Halifax. Um, it is. Well, 2-0, so. yeah. 3-0, right? Was it? Oh, shit. Yeah, I got leathered. Um, so, I think, I think it's susceptible. I mean, they, they, they take the odd tonkin, so I'm, I'm going to go... 2-1, 2 win. I like that. They're susceptible. They take the old tonking. I'm going to go 2-1. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, I was going to go 2-1 as well. So um, because I don't want to be like Tim, I'm going to go 3-1. There we go. So we've all gone for a win. That is a recipe for nope. a disaster. Leah went for a draw. Oh, he's, did he? Yeah. Uh, he's gone for a he's draw. He's our new pantomime villain. <laughs> Well, there we go thank you uh, once again for downloading the Fearless in Devotion podcast um, we've got a couple of good guests um, in the offing for the next few weeks um, thank you for all your feedback for uh, the last few podcasts and thank you for the uh, for downloading we're really blown away by um, the amount of downloads we're getting and, the, and all the feedback so thank you very much but until the next podcast which will be early next week it's uh, goodbye from us see you see you see you